Hi, I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Gail McGuire. Gail doubted she would ever write a book. She had been an intrepid tomboy, a free-spirited young adult, had outstanding children who produced superb grandchildren, and achieved a successful career in information management. A psychic, her friends, and her children told her she would write a book, and so she tried. Now she is a first-time author of a childhood memoir. Gail was born and raised in Southeast Idaho and has lived in Seattle, Washington, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. Gail currently resides in Las Vegas with her family. Welcome to the show, Gail. Thank you for having me, Kara. You are so welcome. I'm so glad we could make this work today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are? Well, um, I currently live in Las Vegas. Um, just recently moved here from Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I worked for the Los Alamos National Laboratory as the uh, records uh, management program manager. Okay. And um, before that, I worked for various other Department of Energy laboratories in my career in information management. And I've got two children and um, two grandchildren. And um, I uh, retired from information management and the Los Alamos National Laboratory in late 2021, at the very end, December. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and um, that was the time which I found time on my hands and thought, well, maybe I should get started writing that book I always wanted to write. So, <laughs> so I um, did write that memoir that you mentioned and published it in November of 2022. Wow. Wow. What was the writing process like for that? You, I've, I have the privilege, listeners, of having read her book already, so I kind of know what's went into it, but what did that look like for you? Well, you know, I've carried these stories with me all my life, of course, and I really did have an extraordinary childhood. And um, many of the tales that are in the book are stories that I shared with my children and grandchildren. And and they would always say, well, tell me this story about the when you took your horse or tell me the story about when you floated down the river or, you know, <laughs> they, you know, kind of got to know all my little stories. Well, they also have encouraged me over the years to write those stories down. And I think that it was in the telling that they set in my mind to the point that when I um, sat down to write them, really all they needed was a structure. And so I kind of put an organizational structure for them together, kind of a chapter structure. Sure, and sure. then it was really so much fun because it was just finding those memories and placing them into the structure where, you know, what chapter would this go in and what chapter would that go in? And then as I kind of put that together, different chapters emerge, like I better I really need to split this out differently or convey this differently. And, and um, then as I put memories in, more memories will come. And I can't tell you how many times 
I would be out for a walk or doing the dishes or something <laughs> and something would pop into my mind and I have to rush and find a place to write it down. And so, um, and I found myself, you know, I was, um, the childhood memoir was based in the baby boomer years, you know, the sixties and seventies. Sure. And I found myself kind of just immersed in that period of time again, <laughs> listening to music. And I do mention, you know, kind of the soundtrack of my childhood along through the book. So it was, it was immersive and fun. And um, the friends, the, the group of friends that I grew up with um, also engaged in writing the book and gave me permission to use their names. Okay. And they were so much a part of all those stories. And it was fun sharing that with them and, and just re-enlivening, you know, all of our adventures as kids. So. Oh, that's beautiful. And what a beautiful memory your family will have for you, right? All this will be written down. I think of this as my grandparents are getting older and I'm like, oh, we should have them write down their stories. And you're going to have that. You'll have this beautiful memoir here of having it all in one place. Yes, thank you. I think we all think that our parents. I wish, you know, I, I had those stories written down that, you know, my mom told me over the years too. Yeah. yeah. What um, I'm thinking also of, you know, how a story is told, but there's multiple people involved in the story and sometimes it gets told differently, right? Or people remember differently. Did you find as you were writing this that your family or your friends that were in the book, were their memories the same? No, I did find <laughs> that I made some corrections or or had to um, change stories around because I did remember it differently, or I had forgotten an aspect of a memory, you know, that I plugged in later. So it was, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that I had those friends to contribute to that so that I could, you know, make sure I got the stories, you know, stated as richly as, as I could and accurately. Yeah. yeah. And what a fun connection for you guys to maintain over the years to be able to still tell the stories. It was really fun. Also, the other thing I found so impressive as I was reading your book was, wow, her memory is so good. I always think that like, I'm like, I don't know if my memory is that well, but were you, did you interview people along the way that helped you remember these stories or are you just, you're really on it with that? <laughs> Um, well, like I say, I think telling the, telling the stories over years helped a lot, but my memory does go back a long way. Yeah. I do remember things from being three years old. Um, wow. That's maybe fairly unique. Um, but yes, I did. Um, when I had the man manuscript pretty much written, um, I sent it to my um, siblings, you know, my sisters and my brother. I sent it to my cousins. I sent it to all my friends that I could sure. send it to um, and got feedback from all of them. So that was really a long part of the process to send that out and then get their feedback, you know, and then even after I got their feedback, they'd be calling me going, I remember something else or I didn't tell you that. <laughs> so it was, it was quite the um, collaborative process there in, in some part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as I was reading it too, just, and we've talked a little bit briefly through email, but just the nostalgia, right. Of thinking about these stories and thinking about that time period. And I think we all think that, right. Of like, we have this fantastic childhood and how times have changed to now that where we're at. And I, 
I think it's just, it's great. That walk down memory lane is really fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. And I think every generation, you know, has its own unique experience. I don't mean to convey, you know, after I published the book, it came to my attention that there is this whole, hey, boomer (laughs) thing going on, you know, kind of a a generational divide, which is unfortunate. Um, and, And there was as many problems during that time as there were good things, you know, as there are with with every generation. Absolutely. And what, but what we're going to take through, right, are those times of good, right? That's the story yes, we're going to yes. tell our families and repeat on repeat, right? Yes. <laughs> It'll yes, be the absolutely. good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so great. So how long, so you started, you retired in late 2021 and then it was published in late 2022, correct? Yeah. I started writing in February of okay. 22 and then I published in November of 22. Okay. Great. Yeah. Did you enjoy the process? I did, um, but it was all new to me. I self-published. Okay. So um, I was fortunate to um, have some acquaintances who had self-published before. And so they were um, gave me a lot of tips and um, made me aware of a lot of resources available to me to help me through that. And I was very grateful for that. Um, but every step of the way, you know, I would have all this nervous energy about, <laughs> about doing it. And when you hit that button to publish, it's, it's quite the um, overblown kind of nervous energy that, that late, looking back on it, I was like, for crying out loud, Gail, you could have gone back and corrected it if it was wrong, don't, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was um, kind of a fun process, but um, challenging. Yeah. I imagine that you put your heart and soul into this work. And so I, I can just feel the energy that would go with that of releasing it out into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's great. So I love this. So I feel like we haven't told the listeners, listeners will tell you the name of the book because we didn't do that yet, but it's Raised on Freedom, Favorite Tales of a Boomer Kid. And it's by Gail McGuire. So thank you so much for sharing all that with us. I'm sure. Thank you. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and let's have you tell us a little bit about your reading life. Mm -hmm. So have you always been a reader? Uh, You know, I really have. Um, I've always enjoyed the the escape and edification that books offer. Um, My reading journey really began as far back as I can remember in Dr. Seuss books. My mom bought a subscription to those. They were just brand new when I was about five years old. And so I got them in the mail, which I was so excited about every time. And um, the silly inventiveness of those books, I think really was an enticement to reading for me. And other kids were reading them too. So there was kind of a community dialogue experience to them as well. We all had the same different, do you like my hat? No, I do not like your hat, you know, (laughs) kind of conversations about those silly books. And um, I also remember the bookmobile coming to uh, our streets and parking and as kids would climb aboard and the smell of books and just scrambling through all the children's books in there to our heart's content. And um, then also the Scholastic book order catalogs that we were handed out in school and I could circle the books I wanted (laughs) and get my mom to say yes and give me a check. Yeah. And then waiting for the books to be delivered in class was always fun. Um, 
I think the books that really uh, stirred me when I was was younger was books like Charlotte's Web and Where the Red Tree, Where the Red Fern Grows. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really kind of tragic situations for the children in the book. But I think those tragedies kind of help put context to some of the um, my own heartbreaks as a child. Yeah. And um, and then in adulthood, um, uh, books have been a means of entertainment for sure, but I've always had benefited from books as a means of expanding my awareness of where we've come from, um, the state of current affairs, the fascinating perspectives and experiences of my fellow man, and the instructive sharing and knowledge and wisdom <clears throat> from various professions and vocations. Um, through books, I've learned about the greatness of America. I certainly experienced that as a child, but also of her many challenges. Um, and I've learned the flaws of her history and the sad results for so many through America's history. Um, books also helped me examine and reconcile my angst in navigating the world as a young adult uh, to gain a deeper understanding of my own experiences. Um, and they continue to help me to understand the societal and geopolitical and human experiences of our time. Yeah. You have such a nice list there of everything that books can do for us. And I, it resonates with me a lot that we can we can learn empathy for one another and we can learn so much, like you said, about our, our fellow man through books. And that, that resonates with me a lot. So and, and just the learning through books mm-hmm. in general, in all facets. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. So how, well, now you're retired, but I imagine life is still very busy. <laughs> yeah. But what does your, how do you find time to read in your day? Well, um, you know, as a child, I was geared to be out and about seeking the next grand, grand adventure every single day with friends. And, you know, those adventures are the main subject of my, my memoir. Um, but as an adult, I'd say since my late twenties, there's hardly ever been a time when I was not engaged in reading a book. Um, some books I can draw out for long periods of time and reading them, um, such as like Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. It kind of becomes a part of your life. <laughs> it's such yeah. a good book. David Copperfield or self-help help or spiritually oriented books that, um, I I would long, long, you know, ponder my way through or go back and highlight or that kind of thing. Um, Other books um, like suspense novels, um, I have consumed like wildfire, just (laughs) staying up until wee hours of the morning, just one more chapter knowing I'm going to pay for it the next day. But I'm, I, you know, like I say, I'm always reading a book. Um, and, but I found since I've just written a book, you know, between working on that and now book promotion, um, it's a little bit challenging to find time to read, but I still do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like what you say there about the susp- adding in the suspense books in between, cause I feel like you can take those big tomes of books, right? But <laughs> since they take so long to digest, it's good to inject those ones you can get through real quick at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So... I was just thinking that this morning, I feel like the couple books I'm reading right now are, they're not heavy topics, they're just um, more nonfiction based. And I'm like, I really need to throw in a fiction in here just to feel like I'm kind of pumping through something. 
(laughs) Checking off that TBR list. Exactly. It's never ending and it's only growing with the show. Oh, absolutely. A good problem to have. Especially with your show, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's been, but I'm kind of using this as a, you know, I'm asking guests when they bring their book flights, I feel like it's a trusted recommendation, right? A trusted source. And so, because there are so many books out there. So trying to navigate through a bit, yeah, a big TBR and not a lot of time to read. I'm like, well, I want to know it's going to be a good book when I'm going to grab it or, yeah. It's like, can I still work on my TBR list when I get to heaven or is that it? (laughs) I guess I'm bringing them all with me probably at this point. (laughs) So, and then it sounds like you read the whole gamut of things, but do you have favorite genres? Um, yeah, I enjoy reading fiction and nonfiction. Um, I'm not typically drawn to romance novels. Okay. Um, and I've, I've rarely read sci-fi novels, although I've read some. Um, I like novels that weave a great story and help me imagine the world in a new light or even imagine new worlds um, and appreciate the human experience. So family sagas and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and of course, I've enjoyed suspense or horror novels such as Stephen King books. I've devoured a lot of those yeah. um, that make my heart race and allow me to escape into a terror that's not my own. However, given the current climate of our world, dystopian books um, don't seem so novel anymore. (laughs) And their escapism, you know, appeal is lost on me. I find that I switch from fiction and nonfiction intermittently. Um, Nonfiction, I love it, but it tends to leave a superficial kind of feeling for me when I complete a book. And that'll drive me to the depth and the weight of nonfiction. And then the heaviness of nonfiction will drive me back to the lightness of novels. Yeah. Kind of how it goes in my reading pattern. I feel that for sure sometimes, which I like. And that was kind of what was my thought process about this book flight, right? Is, Is having books that you could kind of go right into one another and you're kind of will immerse yourself in that. But then we don't like to stay there, right? So I wanted it to be widely varied where we could have all these different genres or topics that you could try. Um, because I think there's something to be said about that undulating between the two and yeah. yeah. So, well, wonderful. And you have so graciously prepared a book flight for us today that goes well with your book. So we have the first book. Would you like to talk a little bit more about your book to begin? Uh, sure. Okay. So, um, so the three books I've selected include my memoir, Rose Dawn Freedom, Favorite Tales of a Boomer Kid, in which I tell stories of my childhood that I've shared with my kids, like I mentioned. I was a lightly super- supervised child in the small town of Pocatello, Idaho, and loved scrambling through neighborhood streets, chasing bold schemes, and roaming the idyllic open spaces. And ignoring my family hardships, I happily let my imagination thrive, even in the face of growing um, turmoil. Uh, The other two books I will discuss in the flight are The Autobiography Box by Brian Boldray and An American Childhood, a memoir by Annie Dillard. I love it. I really appreciated the stories that I was reading in your memoir about, you know, because I was putting myself in the moment, I I have three kids myself, and I'm like, 
what would I do if my kids were doing all the, you know, I'm going to call them shenanigans, but all of the th- situations that you found yourselves in, I'm like, what would I do if my kids were doing that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you tell your mother later and her hair curls, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But then I thought, well, you know, honestly, I think in the moment I would probably be mad, angry, you know, stressed, whatever it was, but then you would look back on those and they would be the like you're in your you're sharing the best memories and just made you laugh out loud funny. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. So let's go ahead and we'll discuss the second book of the book flight, which is the autobiography box by you said is it Brian Bouldry? Uh-huh. It's a book um with a that comes with a box of laminated cards. And and those cards prompt one to examine um their life from various angles and perspectives in a way that draws out memories in a new light. It, it provides tips on how to write about life's moments in a way that awakens the senses, like write about, you know, what was the aroma that you smelled in the moment? And, you know, how did that taste? And, you know, those kind of things that um, kind of brings your memories to life essentially and engages the reader and it can be a really helpful tool in piecing together one's autobiography or memoir. Um, That's so cool. My daughter actually gave me that as a gift um, about two years before I wrote my memoir. And um, it was, you know, she long encouraged me to write it. And it was kind of a subtle nudge on her part <laughs> to uh, get on with it. Um, so I found, um, I used it myself the autobiography box. And I I found it to be a fun tool that helped my writing a great deal. And I think um, uh, it could be of interest to uh, those in your audience that are um, either contemplating or actively writing their memories for the sake of keeping them for their families or future generations, or simply to enliven the defining moments of their lives. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a nice little tool. It's kind of fun to work with. I I, I really recommend it for yeah. folks that are engaged in that. So is there journals to write this in, or on the laminated cards, or do you you bring your own journal type with it? Yeah, or? yeah. You would bring your own journal. Okay. It's, it's a book that kind of tells you um, writing tips and that kind of thing, but also how to use the cards. Okay. And then the laminated cards have various categories of um, prompting your memory as well as how to capture your memories in writing in a way that that is engaging and and new. Okay, great. So there is a book. There's like a how-to, but there's actually tangible ways to to prompt you to do that. I love that. That's so great. I, yeah. I've never heard of this, but what a great, great tool. Might be a, new, a nice gift for your mom to get her to write her memories down. I know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, ooh, okay, yep, check. Maybe good Mother's Day is coming up. <laughs> mom, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> Just in time, yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add about that one? Uh, no, but the two memoirs that I selected for today, today's flights, um, I'd like to discuss in um, in contrast. Okay, Perfect. Well, let's jump out to the the next one of our book flight. Sure. So um, 
the two memoirs that I'll discuss in contrast of mine are mine is mine includes mine of course raised on freedom, but the other is an American childhood by Annie Dillard, um, and they're both childhood mem uh, memoirs. And childhood is such an essentially formulative part of our life. It's so tender, such a bold experience. Um, I use a quote in the prologue of my book by Venugopal Acharya. Childhood is the best of all seasons of life and the longer it lasts with happy memories, the stronger the emotional stability in adulthood. Wow. Um, where both of these childhoods and these memoirs occurred during the baby boom era and they, and they had several things in common because of that. I found very interesting contrast between them that resulted in different childhood experiences for Annie Dillard and me. Okay. In an American childhood, Annie grows up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In Raised on Freedom, I described growing up in Pocatello, Idaho. Um, and Pennsylvania was founded in 1681. It was one of the um, original 13 British colonies that you know our nation's, nation was formed on. And Idaho was admitted into the union in 1890, which is 200 years later okay. than the founding of Pennsylvania. So um, in an American childhood, Annie is looking for meaning in old America while I am looking for meaning in Race on Freedom in New America. Um, Pennsylvania is a mid-sized state with lots of people and uh, where Idaho is a large state with very few people. <laughs> um, Pennsylvania is the ninth most densely populated of the 50 states. Wow. Idaho is the 42nd most densely populated. It's almost dead last. Okay. Um, and Pennsylvania is the 33rd largest state by land area where Idaho was the um, 14th largest state by land area. So two very different, um, you know, like location oriented differences. Um, Pennsylvania was home to some of the largest steel companies in the world uh, associated and associated with titans of industry such as Andrew Carnegie, Charles Schwab, John D. Rockefeller. Um, there was coal mining, Hershey, Hershey's chocolates, Heinz Company, major, major um, um, industries in, in Pennsylvania at the time. Whereas in Idaho, manufacturing, agriculture, mining, forestry, and tourism were the state um, industries primarily. Um, the Union Pacific Railroad was a major employer what, when, where I grew up in Pocatello. Um, and there's an early presence of French Canadian trappers and Lewis and Clark guides visible in city names, such as Ness Pierce, Coeur d'Alene, Boise and Payette. And then the river close to my home in Pocatello, that's a major um, uh, area where we played as kids is named Port Neuf, which is Port Nine in French. I'm glad um, you said that because that's not how I was reading it in the book. I won't even butcher what I was saying. I... <laughs> I was you know, it. growing up, I thought it was such a funny name for that river. And it was, you know, it was, I was an adult before I learned it was Port Nine in French. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, you know, Idaho was 
uh, one of the hardest hit of the Pacific Northwest states in the Great, Great Depression because of you know, the impact of farmers and manufacturing and, and all of that kind of thing. And um, so it had a major impact on my family, the Great Depression. Yeah. Whereas in an American childhood, um, the depression is really kind of mentioned just in passing. So there's a, another contrast. Yeah. Um, in, in my memoir, Raised on Freedom, I described growing up in a middle-class family that had risen from small beginnings. Whereas Annie, um, uh, grows up within a very prosperous, well-established familial um, social status. And then age-wise, Annie is 12 years older than I, which is the same age as my oldest sister. And she's the oldest child of um, three siblings. And her siblings are all about two to three apart, years apart in age. Um, I'm the third child in our family, you know, the one that gets away with everything. <laughs> and, um, uh, and um, my siblings are, I have four um, brothers and, and three sisters and one brother, and we're all six years apart in age, wow. which means we all had very different um, experiences um, at the, you know, the, of our parents being a different ages and um, stages in their lives when we were kids. Annie's father um, is an executive of an old family firm, and he was unable to join the military during World War II due to a physical constraint. My father quit school in eighth grade uh, in order to support his family during the depression to help support his family. And he served in the Navy in World War II and was part of the first responding units in the Pearl Harbor attack at the young age of 17. His wow. mother had to sign for him to get into the Navy. I can't imagine uh, what but, you saw at 17. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really, it's hard to imagine. Um, Dad succeeded in establishing and owning a small construction company that built family homes in my neighborhood when I was a kid. My dad was a, a carpenter as well. Did he drive around and point like, I did that house. I did that house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, you know, I still have, um, you know, the old suitcase with all the old family photos. And I have brochures from his construction company of different houses he was most proud of, you know, that he would showcase. Oh, I love One of them that. was called the Skylark. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's what I was thinking. I was going to say that I know he was just proud of his work, but you know, he would always yeah. drive through. I did that. I did this. I did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. It was fun. I was always proud of that as a kid. Yeah. I had to know if it was, if all dads did that with the pride of their work. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well with Annie, um, you know, we talked about her growing up in, in Pittsburgh and she was surrounded by the charms of an old venerable city it's fun to hear her talk about the museums and the country clubs and the music halls and the grand libraries and, and historic buildings, old mansions. Um, and I was surrounded by wide open spaces in a new suburb encircled by family farms and ranches. Yeah. Um, so Annie really in her memoir describes a rich interior life and then she escapes the city during trips with family or friends 
Um, but she also escapes in books and in art and in you know various studies. Um, I came up on just galvanizing romps in the great outdoors. <laughs> Every day of my childhood was an invitation to the next grand adventure. My friends and I built tree forts. We rode bikes for miles. We played hide and seek late into a summer night. We bumped along in the back of pickup trucks, explored miles and miles of open hills, and rode horses bareback for days on end. <clears throat> um, Annie read and explored the field book of ponds and streams. I floated down rivers on semi-truck tire inner tubes and caught water snakes and minnows by bottle fishing in an irrigation ditch. <laughs> Oh. Annie's family really didn't have uh, family pets much, um, but um, I grew up with a menagerie of pets. Uh, that There's a whole chapter on them. Um, Annie, Annie's memories begin at the age five, mine at three. And behind, beyond those differences, um, our stories do have many things in common. Um, Annie's mother lost her father when she she was seven. And my mother lost her father when she was nine. Wow. So both of our mothers kind of had an underlying um, vulnerability or a tenderness. Sure. Um, and we both experienced the nuclear bomb drills um, of the times in school. We both uh, tested our courage boldly and foolishly we found our ways to get ourselves into and out of um, perilous troubles of our own making. Uh, we believed we would never meet a problem we could not uh, solve. And we believed that hard work would always pay off. Yeah. Uh, we both had loving families, supportive siblings, and friends of moral courage that um, encouraged us and enriched our youth. And our parents taught us life principles in earnest. Um, Annie's family was stable. Mine wobbled and shook. Uh, Annie entered adolescence in a state of built up angst. She was all live wire and, and kind of a, in a state of rebellion. I entered adolescence in kind of a state of trauma, dragging my feet, kicking and screaming and holding on to childhood with all my might. Um, and th these are some of the interesting contrasts I found between the two the two wonderful books. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking of even just having a city upbringing versus more, it sounds like a rural upbringing that that would just shape things so differently for both of you. Yeah, it, it was fun to read her memoir. And I've heard from other, you know, people about my book that, you know, folks that grew up in more of an urban environment had wonderful you know childhoods too but it was very different yeah. in nature yeah yeah I grew up in a more rural community and I remember going away to college and people would be like what do you guys what did you guys even do out there it was like we had nothing to do because we were rural you know right <laughs> oh trust yeah. me we did plenty <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but I think it's hard for you know again even my husband he was raised in the city of Chicago and I remember taking him out to my he came out to meet my family at my aunt and uncle's for Thanksgiving was the first time he, you know we'd been dating a while but now it was okay it's time to meet the family 
and my aunt and uncle even live in like an unincorporated part of town. You know, it's not wow. town. Yeah. Wow. And so we're going out there and we're driving and he's like, he looks at me and he's like, if something happens to me, will I be okay? And I'm like, we are rural, but we are not uncivilized. <laughs> like, <laughs> but for someone growing up in the city of Chicago, you know, and that's what, you know, I think it, it can be very almost off putting for them. Cause like, we don't even know how to handle the open space. <laughs> oh, funny. That's interesting. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, very different, very different. I could see as you were, you know, comparing and contrasting the books for us, I was, it, it made me even think about little things like that with just my husband and I of having two very different upbringings. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yes. um, well, that's really great. Okay. So Annie, she, did she write her book? Uh, did it publish around the same time as yours or? Oh no, hers, um, hers was published long before mine. Okay. Yeah. But it's yeah. just set in a similar time period. Right. Exactly. Okay. We grew up at the same time period. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then it's, it's so cool that despite all those contrasts though, that you still found similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we all did the nuclear bomb tests and um, found ourselves even as children wondering how is this desk going to protect me from a nuclear bomb that I'm under? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, well, I haven't heard of Annie Dillard's memoir, so I'll have to go check that one out. Um, She's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Okay, so I definitely recognize her her name, like her. Mm-hmm. I just haven't picked this up myself, so I'm like, oh, I'll have to check this out. Very good. And compare. And my uh, my parents are similar, probably age ranges, and so I've been raised on their stories as well. So I think it's really fun for me to have read your when I was reading your book because I'm like oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it uh, the stories my you know mom and my dad have told me you know I it, it, like you said the light supervision I was like oh, where were your parents <laughs> it was like get out of the house get out be home for you know when the lights turn off which I wish you know. I could do with my own children right I think there's something to be said about having that freedom in your childhood to be able to do that and solve your own problems. And I think that there's some great characteristics that come out of that, but right. It has nowadays, it feels like it has to be within this safe, you know, the safety of your area really is a big part of that. Yeah. It times have changed quite a bit. Yeah. Have you read, um, coddling of the American mind? I have not. Okay. It's a really interesting book. You you probably would enjoy it. It talks, it's nonfiction, but it talks about basically starting, I believe it's the 60s, but comparing different time periods and what defined that time period, but then how parents parented in that time period. And then what that has caused or made generation, future generations be like along the yeah. way. And that is what, and I think I think they wrote it in 2016. So it was right as some of these protests and riots were starting to come out and they were talking about, um, you know, just how it's kind of created this, where this division, where we're at today. Um, but it's very interesting in the perspective of, and one of their recommendations is give your children as much freedom as you can within these safe limits, because there's so much to be said for your child to be able to explore that way. That's very interesting. I'm writing that down. It's coddling of the American mind. Okay. And it's two, I believe it's two men. They were journalists and they came together to write this book. Very interesting. I'll check that out. 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's great. It's so, relevant to yeah, these memoirs. Absolutely. And it fits in with that. And so it's, we have the, my husband is actually military. So we've been fortunate enough when we live on base, usually there's, you know, an ID check to get onto base housing. And so it has allowed us to give our kids a little bit more freedom when we're living oh, that's in those places, you know, okay, you can go to the park across the street. Mommy's gonna be here in the garage, you know, doing a workout, but I can, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I can see the park. I know you're fine, but it gives you some freedom to be out there with your friends and engaging in relationships and fighting your own battles. And <laughs> yeah, that's meaningful. That does have, that has value. I think that's good. Yeah. And not the first time you're getting to do that. Right. And that's kind of what it talks about. Like that, the first time you're leaving your house to do all that when you're 18 is a little too late. Like you need to have had that experience <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. Well, thank you so much for providing this book flight for us today. Is there anything else you'd like to add on any of the books we talked about? You know, in reading the reviews of these two books, An American Childhood has been described as a metaphysical memoir, Okay. Um, where Annie's memories rush and bubble up, a kind of waterfall lang of language and feeling, um, a memoir of like an impress impressionist painting memories shimmer on the page, um, whereas Raised on Freedom is described as a grand adventure with descriptive, entertaining, and humorous storytelling that makes you feel part of the adventure, um, a golden childhood rich in unrestrained life experiences that opens the floodgates to one's own childhood memories. And so if you like entertaining anecdotes, honest looks at simpler times, and emotional insights, um, then I think folks will love that memoir. And uh, Raised on Freedom is currently available under Kindle Unlimited. So. Oh, okay, great. Well, I was just gonna say, listeners, I can totally vouch for Gail's book. I was I was giggling out loud as I was reading it and you definitely took me on a journey. <laughs> I could picture exactly what you were talking about, but I could picture being in the moment there with you. So <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, let's finish the show today with our bonus pairings, which are just a speed round of questions. You can answer these really quick. Sure. Where is your favorite place to read? My favorite place to read is outside in the summertime in the shade. <laughs> I'm a summertime girl, so everything is going to be my favorite in the summertime. Absolutely. I, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> what is one book that you have read that has changed your life? Mm, you know, um, I'd have, it's so hard to pick one. I just, that so hard. But I guess I would have to say um, A Course in Miracles. Um, it's a spiritual study set of books that I've read for um, often, you know, several times over the course of about 30 years. And I learned something new um, that amazes me pretty much every time I read them. So I, I guess I'd have to say that's had the, the greatest influence. Oh, okay. I have not heard of that. But I I also like books for that reason. I've never really considered myself a rereader. But I have gone back recently and reread books from my childhood, and they hit me to totally different at this period mm -hmm. of my mm -hmm. life. So I could see how you're saying, you know, you pick that up and it's hits you differently when you read yeah. it. Yeah. And then which do you prefer, audio or hard copy books? Um, well, really hard copy, but I'm a Kindle reader. 
Okay. I've moved too many times. I've learned my <laughs> lesson about getting too many books. So I've, I've um, acquiesced to become a Kindle reader. Oh, I, I, I hear you on the moving a lot. So <laughs> I, I tend to be a book giver. Anything I get in hard copy, I either give away to someone that I think will read it. Um, or I'll go, I love the little free book libraries around the community. And so yeah, I sometimes yeah, contribute to those too. So, cause yeah, I've definitely- I definitely a lot of books to libraries. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, what are you reading next? Um, well, right now I am reading um, a book that has to do with the, um, what we went through with the whole pandemic thing. It's called Unknown Causes by Edward Dowd. Okay. And so, you know, that's such a, it's, it's, we're living through history with this thing. And so I've been, I've been reading a lot of material on that. And I think next I'm going to read um, the book Cuddling of the American Mind yeah, <laughs> that yeah. you recommended because I think it would be such a good book to read in the context of what we're discussing here. Yeah. I hope you enjoy yeah. it. Please keep me posted once you start I will. reading it. I will. So, well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate the time that you've given me. Oh, thanks for having me. It was really fun, Kara. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation today with Gail McGuire. Her book flight today focuses on childhood memoirs from the baby boomer years. I hope you enjoy it. We'd love to hear what other books you might pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at bookishflights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time. Thank you.